Hey, hey, hey! Exciting news! Do you ever look in the mirror or at a photograph of yourself or put on some clothes? Or rather, don't put on some clothes because the clothes you really want to wear are hanging in the cupboard or buried in some bag at the back of the cupboard and your heart sort of sinks and you think... I know, I know I need to do different things. I know I need to do something different to lose the weight, to get healthy, to do all the stuff I want to get to, to what Dr. Alina calls healthy, amazing you. And yet somehow I can't do it. You, my friend, have what is called a doing gap. It's not a knowledge gap. It's a doing gap because you're busy and you've got other stuff going on. So the Radiate and Renew program starting, drum roll please, next week, we're kicking off on Tuesday next week. It's super exciting. You will learn to do four small but mighty habits that you are going to enjoy and it's going to be easy. Now the idea of this, there's two ideas behind it. Number one, you do the habits, in a year's time you've still got the habits and they really have moved the needle. You know, you're really doing things slightly differently. But also, once you start doing things differently, you realise that you can carry on doing things differently. And so you might decide, hey, I'm going to do the reboot or I'm going to do something else and I'm really going to get to the bottom of this goal. I'm going to reach my goal. So if you are interested, if you'd like some help and support, Radiate and Renew starts on Tuesday. I will leave the link in the show notes. Hello and welcome to the Fit and Fabulous podcast, healthy living for families made easy. I'm Dr. Alina, your host and guide to healthy living for busy families. I invite you to sign up for my super simple system for healthy living, the easy path to healthy living. You can sign up at drorlina.com forward slash simple dash system. That's D-R-O-R-L-E-N-A dot com forward slash simple dash system. Now on with today's show. and welcome Harriet thank you so much for being here thank you thanks so much for inviting me back on it's a real pleasure so hello everybody welcome to fit and fabulous with me Dr Orlean Kerrick I'm super excited today to welcome back Dr Harriet we're going to be talking about healthy eating and pregnancy which is a really important subject so Harriet do you want to start by just telling people a little bit about yourself Sure. So um, I studied medicine at the University of Cambridge and then I was a paediatric doctor in the NHS for over 10 years. I then stepped out and did a PhD in genetics and and then um, I decided I'd um, become a registered nutritionist. So I'm now a registered nutritionist for the Association of Nutrition. Um, I lecture in nutrition and um, I also I try to share as much sort of credible evidence based, so science backed information about nutrition as possible and um, and how it affects your health. Fabulous. And congratulations on your book. What's the title of your book? Thank you. It's called Eating During Pregnancy. It's available um, on Kindle edition on Amazon and also um, on the shop tab of my website, which is www.healthyeatingdoctor.com. And um, it's all about um, what you should, what what sort of foods to eat during pregnancy, foods to enjoy, foods to avoid, um, and then sort of tips on things like constipation, um, nausea and vomiting, um, healthy body weight, um, cravings, and then how what you eat affects your your baby's future health. 
Fabulous. So let's dive in. And I think my first burning question is why? Why is it important what we eat when we're pregnant? Um, so I think, firstly, pregnancy is a time that sort of generally focuses a lot of people's, you know, a lot of women's attention on their nutrition. They suddenly think, oh, my goodness, I'm, I'm growing a baby. Um, what I eat actually counts. And um, so I, th- I think it really does count. And it, there's certainly lots of evidence that what you, you eat actually does have actually quite long term effects on your baby's health. Um, there's things like I'm sure you you probably remember the the Barker hypothesis and things. So that's um, a hypothesis, a sort of a concept where we know now that uh, what you eat during pregnancy actually changes the the switches on your your baby's DNA. So the epigenetics, which is a little sort of switches that turn on and off genes, and can affect those and have sort of long term consequences. So if you're baby is um has got low birth weight when they're inside and they're more likely to have rapid so more rapid weight gain um when they're when they're after they're born and that increases their risk of long-term health issues and that's thought to be sort of an evolutionary protective mechanism that if nutrients were scarce in the womb that when they came out they'd you know try to conserve nutrients and, and try to to increase their weight as, as quickly as possible but obviously in a sort of nutrient rich world that we are in now that's um that's not quite as as, as helpful as it once was so um there are, you know, there's really good evidence that you should be looking after your own health and the health of your baby. But I just want to sort of caveat that with that, um, you know, for some women, uh, nutrition is a choice. And for others, it's it's not a choice. And that um, I had high premises. So I had severe pregnancy um, related sickness for both of my children. And they were both composed of special care. That was that's all I could eat for nine months. So, you know, I think you've got to do you've got to do your best if you can, um, where it's possible. And my book sort of about, you know, how to do that for the vast majority of people that um, that don't have incapacitating sickness and, and want to be able to eat, you know, a healthy, normal, balanced diet and, and what that looks like and and how to do that. Okay, fabulous. So what is a healthy diet in pregnancy? So I think um, if you think of sort of the normal frameworks of a healthy diet, it's very similar, but it's um, it's it's being mindful of the fact that you um, probably need a bit more protein. So um, have two portions of protein, you know, two portions of protein a day and that you'll need more calcium during pregnancy as well. So try to have three portions of calcium rich food every day. So things like um, fish with the bones in, so like tinned fish or anchovies, sardines, broccoli, almonds, um, tahini, um, so so you're really getting enough calcium. And then lots of fruit and vegetables, whole grain carbohydrates, um, and then swap out of those things like sugary drinks, um, refined carbohydrates, saturated fats and ready meals, and and, uh, and drink lots of, you know, water and fluid because, you increase your um, blood volume quite considerably during pregnancy, so you will need more fluid. And while you're both breastfeeding and pregnant, um, you do need more iodine, so foods containing iodine like um, dairy and eggs. Fabulous. And I haven't been pregnant for a very long time, and I don't intend to get pregnant again. However, I do remember when I was pregnant, in between my pregnancies, thinking about all the foods that we had to avoid when we were pregnant, and the rules kept changing. I remember... 
when I was first pregnant, they said, oh my goodness, you mustn't have unpasteurized cheese in any way whatsoever. But by the time I got to my second and subsequent pregnancies, it was okay if it was hard cheese and not soft cheese. So can you talk us through those, what you must avoid things? So I think part of the difficulty is that this is quite specific a lot of the time for your country and there's sort of some cultural element to it as well. Um, and what people eat in different countries definitely varies. The evidence isn't, you know, isn't concrete, isn't black and white. But there are sort of um, sort of some general principles. So um, if you think of first on cheese, so cheese is all about the risk of listeria, that sort of um, a bug that grows in it and can have really quite serious consequences for your baby if you if you have a listeria infection. And you're more likely to get that listeria infection um, during pregnancy because of um, pregnancy dampens down your immune system so that you don't reject your baby. So, um, so, so cheese is the, the chance of, of listeria growing is actually dependent on what's called the water availability. So the availability of water, bacteria and, and microorganisms need water to be able to grow. So that's why hard cheese is safe, even if it's got blue veins in it. Um, you know, like a Stilton, because it's got very little um, available water and therefore listeria can't grow. So it's very low risk for listeria, which is why it's safe. Where if you've got a soft cheese, it's got lots of available water in it. Listeria can grow. And that's why they um, that's why you're advised to avoid soft cheese, especially soft moldy cheeses. But there are some soft cheeses that are safe. And those are things like mozzarella and cottage cheese, halloumi and feta. Um, and then any cheese that's cooked and cooked well through is safe because you're you're killing off any of the listeria. So that's why it, it, a cooked cheese is, is safe. And what about cream cheese? You know, just the stuff that comes in a packet that you think must be so pasteurised and kind of pretend cheese that it must be fine. Is that right or not? Yeah, so I, cream cheese is is one of the, the safe ones um, because, yeah, it's pasteurised um and yeah, I know what you mean about it being a bit like a pretend cheese, but it's um, I think it's a safe one. I think I guess it depends where you buy it. Yeah, if you go to France and buy France. nice soft cheese, it's probably yeah. unpasteurized. Think, yes, if you're getting your, you know, in a packet, if you're getting your Philadelphia in a packet from Tesco's, it's you know safe. If you go to a nice artisan farmer's market and it's possibly unpasteurized, uh, soft cheeses in general then are are ones to avoid. Okay. And what other foods should people be cautious of when they're pregnant? So eggs are another big one. Um, in the UK, we've got the, the lion stamp and um, that's a sign that, that it's a high welfare egg and uh, that the chickens have been vaccinated against salmonella, which is the, the main concern. Um, so even if you have an egg, a raw or undercooked egg, so a lightly cooked egg, and it's got that lion stamp, that's still safe because the risk of salmonella is so low. Um, and raw egg is in quite a lot of things, in ice cream, often in um, dressings, salad dressings and things. So in the UK, as long as it's got the lion stamp, you're fine. Outside of the UK, you really want to be avoiding the you know, raw and uncooked or lightly cooked eggs and going for eggs that, you know, are, are thoroughly cooked. Fabulous. And the big question that I remember when I was pregnant, what about alcohol? Are people allowed to drink alcohol at all in any way at all when they're pregnant? 
so the guidance is to avoid alcohol that alcohol has no you know really is is one to be avoided obviously in larger quantities you get things like fetal alcohol syndrome which has quite profound consequences for your baby but um really as soon as you know you're pregnant cut alcohol out and the quick question that i often get asked is sushi that's um i don't people are really keen to eat sushi uh nowadays i think so you know so many people love eating it and certainly don't want to stop it during their pregnancy and the good news about sushi is that most sushi most commercially made sushi um certainly in the uk is actually made with fish that's already been frozen and the freezing process kills off the parasites the parasitic worms so actually frozen sushi is safe so if you're going to a restaurant and it's they're buying in commercially produced sushi then it, it is safe or if you buy it in the supermarket it's safe and the um, fish caught from europe you know uk and european waters and um, it's got is very low risk for parasitic worms anyway so if it's you know caught caught in the eu and has been frozen first then you'll you're fine to eat it excellent i have to confess i really miss sushi we don't have sushi around here very much and i absolutely love it yeah me too what about things that we should be eating? Um, I guess folic acid is a big question that I want to talk about, but also other things that are good for you when you're pregnant. So um, folic acid is an interesting one. So, yes, so we know that it's uh, it's associated with neural tube defects. So if you and that's why everyone's recommended to have a folic acid or folate supplement as soon as they start trying to for a baby and up until the first 12 weeks. There is now some evidence that too much folate after that 12-week period um, might actually have um, consequences for fetal programming and might actually increase your risk of um, of autism and autoimmune disease. Um, but more research really is needed on that. But the sort of critical time period for the formation of the neural tube is that first 12 weeks, which is why it's so important. And so important that as soon as you start thinking about trying for a baby that you you um you, you start you know on that on that folic acid so and you don't sort of find out you're pregnant a bit late and have missed that window so if you can yeah have it as soon as possible fabulous and what healthy good things should we make sure we have in our diet when we're pregnant so i think it's a sort of similar to to in general in that you know you want to be having lots of fruit and vegetables hot the whole grains um, unsaturated fats, but it's about having just you know that little bit more protein and that little bit more um, calcium and and, and iodine. Um, so so those are the, the things really. Um, and it's and I've got in my book and actually on a on uh, my website and through my Instagram is um, a free like uh, little nutrition checklist so that so I don't I think it's really hard you know when people like um, us sort of say oh you need you know 100 uh, 1250 milligrams of calcium or whatever a day when you're breastfeeding or you need this when you're pregnant that um what does that look like um and I certainly don't want people to be going around and weighing their foods but I think it's really helpful to know that all oh, right you know half a tin of this gives me that you know half a tin of fish gives me my calcium for the day or what or whatever it is that you know two slices of bread give me this that um that you can just sort of have some idea of whether you're getting roughly the right amount or not or whether you're miles off and how you can you know support support eating the right amount of nutrients that you you can you you know then and you've got that information fabulous and what about people who 
you know, they're taking this opportunity. They know that their diet isn't really optimum. They're either trying or they're pregnant and they're thinking, oh my goodness, I want to eat more healthily, but how do I do this? Any advice for them? Um, I think it's just about thinking about each each meal. Well, it's, first of all, it's great that you, you know, when you decide that you want to do that and, that, you know, changing that. It's, a lot of it is about mindset, isn't it? If, if you've decided you want to make the change, that's, you know, a huge first step. Um, but then I think it's about trying to just make those healthy choices at each, you know, opportunity. So when you, you know, you have a drink that instead of reaching for, you know, a sugary drink, you go for a water. Um, and when, you know, you, you have each meal that you're, you're aware of what those healthy choices look like that you're swapping out the refined carbohydrates and, you know, having the whole grains that you're trying to have fruit and vegetables at every meal time. And that um, you're trying to have the unsaturated fats as opposed to saturated fats and trying to eat, you know, whole food as much as possible. And you're during, um, you're having a sort of one portion of omega-3 a week, you know, one sort of uh, oily fish a week. So omega-3 is really important for you know, developing babies and bone health, um, brain health. Um, so I think... Um, it's just about making those choices all of the time. And if you don't make a healthy choice, that that's okay. You haven't, the day's not gone. You know, you've still got the rest of the day left. You know, don't beat yourself up about it. Just, you know, think of the next, the next opportunity that, and, um, and that, you know, it's under your control. You, you can eat it. You can eat what you want. Um, just sort of, I guess I think people really beat themselves up they know that if you've had sort of you've made a bad choice first thing in the day that the rest of the day's gone but sort of I think my message is that it's not like that each each opportunity is a separate opportunity and you know keep keep trying to make those healthy choices really or have you got any suggestions no absolutely I totally agree with that and I think it's this all or nothing mm. thinking that people see I see it a lot and people will go, okay, my objective is going to be that I'm never going to eat chocolate. And then they mm. have a little bit of chocolate and the, the thought is, oh my goodness, I've ruined everything. So now I might as well eat the entire bar of chocolate. Yeah. And that's not true. You might as well have a small amount of chocolate and enjoy that chocolate mm. and go, okay, I'm going to eat a small amount. And yeah, as you say, take the next step rather than, oh, it's all a disaster. And actually I would go a step further and think about how you work and how you function. And sometimes we set our goals too high and you're actually better off reducing your goals a little bit, being more realistic, allowing yourself treats from time to time and factoring those into your week so that you haven't got that far to go rather than depriving yourself of everything. So it's just about getting balance, right? And I think if you do it that way, you don't set yourself up for failure. You're constantly thinking, hooray, I can do this. I've reached my goal. So you've got that internal dialogue, which is I'm on a good streak. I'm on a good streak. But as you totally say, if you do fail, it's not really a failure. It's just, OK, pick yourself up and move on. Absolutely. And I, I think as well um, that if you sort of I'm not so keen on the sort of like the treat concept and I think that then people see that as a reward and that if you can try and get away from having food as a reward that that's better but but I think that if you if you sort of um inhibit if you don't allow yourself to have something say I'm as you say I'm not going to eat chocolate all you can think about then all day is eating chocolate and it's so much harder than if you know that 
if you want some chocolate, you can have some chocolate. So I think, and also just snacks and stuff, if you can prep it already so that if you're going to have a fruit snack, the fruit and the vegetables or whatever are ready and prepped, then you're going to reach for that. I, mean, I think reach for that is just as easy as reaching for a biscuit. But a lot of us, when you, you know you're hungry, you want something quick, food is, you know, fruit needs a bit more prep often and it uh, takes a bit more effort than just reaching, you know, for something that's less healthy. So I'd add that as well. Yeah, I would also say, you know, thinking about biscuits, if you don't buy them, they're not in the house, then you've made that decision ahead of time. And if fruit is an option, that's what you're going to eat. I don't think fruit takes that much effort. Peel a banana, bite into an apple. More effort. And that's the issue. I think if you're, you're more likely to eat it, if you prep it when you buy it, and then, you know, those berries are washed or whatever, that you can then just eat them as opposed to, I think it's a big hurdle for people. Yeah, I, I, I do think there is a big hurdle, but um, I'm not sure that it's a preparation. I think it's like this mental block of snack equals something that comes out of a packet. I think fruit comes think in its own little packet, little packets of goodness, I like to call it. Yeah, yeah true, very true. <laughs> I think it's a bit of both, though. Any last words of wisdom? So also caffeine is another one. It's obviously been like really topical in the news. Um that there was a recent paper in the BMJ that uh, had a, a big meta-analysis that they combined lots of um, observational studies and they found that caffeine was associated with increased risk of miscarriage, stillbirth, low birth weight and small for gestational age. So the UK guidance hasn't changed. It's still um, that pregnant women can have up to 200 milligrams of caffeine a day. Um, but I think sort of that is obviously going to be sort of reviewed possibly in the light of the of the new evidence. Um, I think that the current guidance as well is really a maximum and it's not, you know, something to be aimed for that that's, you know, a maximum level of caffeine you should be having a day. And if you can have less than that, then, you know, then probably better. Um, but also just to be mindful that caffeine is in quite a few things. So there's energy drinks, chocolate, tea, um, you know, cola, if you're still, if you're drinking that. So just to be, you know, sort of careful with it and that a shop bought ca- uh, coffee has got so much more caffeine in than if you make generally than you make one at home. So know, know how much 200 milligrams of caffeine is and what it equates. So what, is, I've got what, does, those it, I've got. what does 200 milligrams of caffeine look like? Is that like one cup of coffee? Um, it, so it totally depends on on where you get your coffee from. So like a mug of filter coffee is about 140 milligrams of caffeine, whereas like um, probably if you know it's Starbucks or Costa, it would be it'd be more. Thimbleful. Um, yes, difficult to know. It depends how many shots you're having as well. Whereas like a mug of tea would be about 75 milligrams. So you can see it's a lot less. Um, but green tea still has caffeine in it. That's got about 55 milligrams in it. And if you think of like a piece of 50 grams of dark chocolate, it's got 25 milligrams of caffeine in it. So and even milk chocolate does have caffeine, but just less. So if you have, you know, a couple of squares of chocolate, um, a couple of cups of tea and you go out for um, for coffee, you can see how that doesn't actually seem that much, but it's quite a lot over 200 milligrams. And just a question, which I don't know if you know the answer to, but is the caffeine in chocolate as bioavailable as in coffee? Because I notice that caffeine really affects the way I sleep, but I don't notice that chocolate does, although I don't eat much chocolate. So I I, I don't know about the bioavailability, but I would 
I would guess it's because of the quantity that you're you're drinking or your caffeine. So if you're having like a mug of filter coffee, it's 140 milligrams. If you're having a couple of squares of chocolate, it's a far lower dose. It's only like 50 milligrams of, you know, dark chocolate. So, I mean, like 100 grams of chocolate, it's a whole, you know, like big block of, it's like a whole bar of lint or, you know, a whole bar of cooking chocolate. And that's got much, much less than, you know, less than half of what one coffee would have. I'd have to do do an experiment on myself. (laughs) (laughs) Eat an entire bar of chocolate to find out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm only joking. I'm not really going to do that experiment. Fabulous. Harriet, thank you so much for being here. Do you want to just tell people the name of your book again? Yeah, sure. So it's called Eating During Pregnancy and it's on Amazon. Um, It's only $9.99 and it's also on my website. You can buy the the, like the PDF version on my website on healthyeatingdoctor.com. Fabulous. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you really enjoyed it and found it useful. If you have any friends who would enjoy listening to my podcast, I invite you to share it with them. The more ears that listen to my podcast, the more people I can help transform their lives into healthy living. And remember, you're invited to sign up for my super simple system for healthy living at drlina.com forward slash simple dash system. Goodbye and see you next week.